In a far-off land, a radio show will commence. It's called Your Pet Matters, and tuning in would just make sense. Every Saturday at 10 a.m., relax and unwind. And listen to Dr. T, who has pet advice designed for you and for you alone. Free advice just for helping to keep your furry friend happy and healthy. Tune in to Your Pet Matters, a show underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care with quality you can't deny. Only on 1077 The Bronx. Welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila, and I have a special guest today. Um, my special guest is Dr. Vishal Murthy. He is, he's currently doing his residency in neurology at UC Davis. Uh, he's, a, he's a fellow Canadian. Um, he graduated from the University of Guelph and he did his internship at the Veterinary Emergency Center in Toronto, um, which is, I think I've had uh, two or three Canadians on my show. So you're, you're, you're my third nice. Canadian. Yeah, so it's really good to <laughs> have you. So, so thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. And uh, you're three hours, I guess you're three hours behind me right now, right? Three hours you know? behind, yes. Okay, so, um, so it's, it's roughly, it's roughly dinner time at the at, at, when we're recording this uh yeah. here and it's it's my kids bedtime here so <laughs> it works oh, out nice. really good um but but uh Vishal, i wanted to talk to you about i think that in your particular case um and for our american listeners i think it's it's important to just just go through the process of what made you want to become a veterinarian and sure. then how did the road of life lead you to where you are now like in a neurology uh uh, a setting and yeah. then what we'll do is is what what the the listeners and viewers aren't aware of is he's also uh an artist and he's done some cartooning <laughs> on the side yep. um and shout out to my classmate pam pam bootlier um she does the same thing so it's it's cool i think it's really cool but but why don't we start from where it all began so mm -hmm. um were, were you in india at the time that you decided to become a vet or are you one of those who always wanted to become a vet no, I definitely was not one of those who always knew that. Um, I was actually living in Malaysia at the time. I had moved away from India. My parents moved around a lot when I was growing up and um, did my high school in Malaysia. When it came time for graduation, you know, I was kind of really unsure of what I wanted to do. You know, as you mentioned, I do a lot of art, and that was actually something I was quite interested in as well. Um, my parents were you know, in their infinite wisdom, they decided to uh, make sure I got an undergrad degree first and, uh, you know, focus on the sciences for a bit, which I always enjoyed biology, always liked that kind of stuff, loved animals, but never really saw myself doing that as a career. So I got into uh, the University of Guelph. Um, I kind of applied there specifically thinking about veterinary medicine as maybe being an option. Uh, but it wasn't until I really started volunteering at a veterinary clinic in um, Mississauga in Ontario that I really kind of could appreciate what it was and the impact it had. And that's really what kind of put me on that path. And so, so, so how long were you living in Canada at the time? Mm -hmm. I had left Canada when I was four, so I had just come back. Okay, okay, okay. And it was quite a stark difference too. I mean, you know, growing up, in a lot of parts in Nepal and India and in Malaysia, you know, you see animals being treated very, very differently than out in the West. And so to kind of grow up with that and then come back to this atmosphere was quite a big change for me. And so I think that really helped me appreciate that, you know, I had this ability to really make a big difference. And, and it's interesting, as, as I told you before the show, a classmate of mine was from India, and he, he described that, at, I don't know where exactly he lived, but in his town, there was a veterinarian that arrived on his bicycle. 
and it, it gave him appreciation. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it, as, as you discuss, discussed, I think that in many countries, the human-animal bond is a completely different concept than what we experience oh, in Europe and, yeah. and Western areas and, and North America. But he was fortunately able to actually experience that through this veterinarian, and that's what gave him the, mm -hmm. the understanding. Oh, very nice. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a very good story, and it's, it's, it's really neat. But, but yeah, I can understand that. But I, I, think, it, I think it's great that um, the diversity that, that you're able to bring these concepts and so forth. So do, do you ever go back to a, a more holistic approach or anything with, the, with your pets? Is there, is there anything from your from your upbringing and, and the travels that you can bring into the the concept? Because we're talking about integrative medicine now a lot, right. a, a lot yeah. of uh, practitioners. That's a good question, and I think it's one that I struggle with, especially in neurology. Um, you know, I've definitely been a lot more. I guess my my past makes me a lot more open to those things. I, that's probably the best way to put it. You know, I've definitely been getting into a little bit of acupuncture, getting to see some of the benefits of that and that sort of thing. Still a little bit on the fence on a lot of them. You know, I think I'm, I come from a very evidence-based perspective and I like to see some data before I can make a call. But I've definitely, anecdotally at least, have seen a lot of, uh, definitely, you know, a lot of those things have its place. And I think as an adjunct, it works really well. I'm huge on physical rehab and uh, that kind of, uh, you know, post-op uh, management and stuff like that. But um, specifically speaking from my background, my history, I don't know that there's really a lot that I can directly translate to animals. Okay. You know, I grew up, I grew up actually with a lot of, um, like yoga was a very big thing in our family. Ah. We, it's actually something that even I, as a kid, when I had problems with breathing and things like that, um, it was something that was part of my treatment protocol. Not the easiest thing to translate to cats and dogs, but <laughs> definitely those kind of things have uh, influenced my uh, approach to medicine. Although we are seeing some viral videos on YouTube about you see these people performing yoga and their pet will either do it with, with them or it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's extremes. They either do it with them or they interfere. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? They're mm -hmm. walking all over the and everything like that. No, but I'm sure. I'm sure there is. Uh, there, I saw a goat yoga session too, where some people were doing oh, yoga and the goats would jump on them and everything like that. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's more uh, just a business draw, but <laughs> it's one of those yeah. things we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for the future. But so what, what did you do your undergrad in? at Guelph before veterinary medicine? My undergrad initially started off very unfocused. It was just a general biological sciences degree. Um, I had initially started off just wanting to do a general degree and I decided to do like a three-year program without a, without a major. Um, and then I think it was by about second year that I decided, okay, I'm gonna you know commit to going down this path of vet med. And it worked in my favor because it meant I got into vet school a whole year earlier than most people, so. Well, you got even like at, at my time, so I'm aging myself. I'll talk about the mid '90s when I I went to med uh -huh. school. At that time, I was told statistically you need three three applications before you get in. So you even uh -huh. got, even beat that curve. Yeah. So I'm sure it's like four or five right now. Uh, but no, yeah. but that's great. So so you did a general uh, BSc, uh, get into to vet school, and then what made you want to do neurology? Yeah, it, it was a challenge because I got into vet school after only having experience with um, private practice, like general practice, and, and a little bit of lab animal medicine. So coming into vet school in first year, you know, you get exposed to everything. You really want to try everything. And that was kind of how I approached things. I'd say about halfway into first year, though, um, I had always had an interest 
interested in neurology but never really saw that as necessarily a specialty in and of itself and once we got a little bit of exposure to the field um, with our neurologists back at school um, it was really something I was piqued my interest a little bit and I ended up getting a summer job with them mm. so my summer after first year of vet school I ended up doing some research actually ended up working on two projects over that summer and by the end of that summer and having to you know getting to spend some time in clinics with them I was sold that was yeah, what I know. That, that's great. That's great. It's, it's interesting because I, I got to be frank with you is probably 98 to 90 percent of the, the vets I know have always wanted to be a vet. Um, one of my friends who's a surgeon, he, he has videotape evidence from his mom at the age of four saying he <laughs> wants to be a vet. But it's yeah. interesting because uh, you and I are in the same. I, I never always wanted to be a vet. I decided later mm -hmm. in life to become a vet. So it, it's interesting when I meet the individuals that are in the same boat as me because most people yeah. most people have this drive and, and, and it's Absolutely. interesting. But, but I can tell you statistics Statistically, you're going to bring a slightly different flair to the profession. Um, I think it's I think it's going to be good because it, I think these people from these diverse backgrounds bring um, you know because you're not always driven to be that vet, which then a tells me you have a diff slightly different personality. <laughs> so I think it's I think it's going to be uh, 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 interesting and, and good for you. But a, a question I do have is what percentage of your class was men versus women? That's a good question. So I think in a class of about. 112 of us there were 20 guys 20 guys okay yeah so that's like 15 and our class was supposed to be you know one of the more higher numbers of uh, guys wow in the last few years please okay okay so so it's trending in my time it was 30 percent guys uh 70 percent women mm -hmm. so when i started vet school it was to get the uh quote-unquote old boys club out of the out of the profession <laughs> right. so so now right. i think we're, we've got we've reached that uh saturation point we've of, succeeded in that yeah, yeah we definitely succeeded in that front <laughs> yeah. and I, I think that's part of um i i do find as ownership a lot of um as full-time employees and as ownership i think the the, the, there's been a shift in that, and it has to do with, um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm finding that there's a, a difference in, well, I think it's difference with everyone about work-life balance. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. I, th I think you're right in the heart of, um, you're at the grunt stage of <laughs> your profession. Yes, yes. I, as I jokingly say, you're eating dirt financially, right? <laughs> you're Very much there. so. Um, but, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> I think that's great. It'll be worth it. <laughs> okay, with that, we'll take a short break and we'll come back. And I, I think what we'll do next is we'll talk about um, how the art side of Vishal's life helped influence and shape and, and work with his current vet career. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. Your Pet Matters and other programming on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. 390 County Road, 518 Skillman. Happy birthday! Look at this Oh my goodness, a kitten! Let's name him Mini Kitty! Jack, how do I tell Mom I failed my math test? Look at us, Bean. We just moved to a brand new big city. Honey, Brandon broke up with me. Mini Kitty, Jack, Bean, Honey, are you, are you okay? okay? Our pets are there for us when we most need them. So why not thank their unconditional love with unconditional care? At Progressive Veterinary Care, Dr. T's incomparable, compassionate, and dedicated team of veterinary caregivers are there to help your pet live a healthy life. Their progressive approach to veterinary medicine and curbside protocol provides your pet high-quality medicine and service, and their pet parents' peace of mind. For more information about Progressive Veterinary Care's commitment to pet medicine and your pet online, it's ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com.
yeah. Your Pet Matters is back to answer your pet queries. Come get free pet advice from our friend, Dr. T, only on 1077 The Bronx. Welcome back. And if you're just joining us, my special guest today is Dr. Vishal Murthy. He is a resident in neurology at UC Davis. Um, he's a Canadian. He graduated from the University of Guelph, OVC Ontario Veterinary College, um, did his internship in the Toronto area, and then uh, went through the matching process to get um, his residency in UC Davis. So. He's enjoying actually probably pretty darn good weather right now, aren't you? <laughs> oh, it's not bad at all. <laughs> uh, what, what was the high today? Uh, probably like low 60s. Okay. We, 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 uh, right now in Jersey, it was like the morning started at 28 degrees and it went up oh, to wow. 51. We're getting a huge variance. <laughs> so 51. So when I, when, I, when I take my son to the bus to go to school in the morning, it's 28 degrees when I... Uh, meet him afterwards it's 51 degrees so oh, you're wearing wow. full winter uh, gear in the morning and then a spring jacket <laughs> in the afternoon but yeah it's starting to get colder and colder yeah. um, here but yeah no California that's ah oh, I'm a little jealous I'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> we're, we're in a good place there, I must say yeah, yeah and they, I, I guess they're not used to any sort of really cold you, 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 your, your body's hardened right to the cold weather oh yeah, yeah I'm I'm okay it's t-shirt weather outside <laughs> oh man oh man yeah that's great. Um, but why don't we talk about um, art? You know, like when did sure. you get started in art and, and what role has it played through your, through your life and through your profession? Art has been a really big part of my life. Um, I've been doodling ever since I can remember. It's always been something I did. It's always been something I was interested in. I've always been, you know, like, like any kid, I grew up watching cartoons, right? And I think more so than most kids, I was really interested in how they were made and really getting into the nitty gritty of, uh, you know, animation and even like um, editorial cartoons to, you know, things like Calvin and Hobbes and all of those kind of uh, comic strips. And so something I was always very much into. And I think, um, as I mentioned before, at one point in time, that was kind of, I was almost leaning toward going down that path myself with as a career. And then, you know, I think it's, great that I found veterinary medicine and this has definitely been my calling but I've always been able to keep art on the side as a as a hobby and partly as a yeah, I guess a part-time career you could call um, predominantly through vet school a lot of the stuff I did was um, you know for class projects stuff like that like you know we would have our hockey games and stuff and we would make promotional material for that and I you know designed the mascot and I was the mascot and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, okay, I gotta ask you. Enough, I gotta ask you. What was what was the mascot? We were the Scarlet Stags. Scarlet <laughs> Stag. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep, there's pictures of me with the giant uh, deer costume on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so, so yeah, we did a lot of that kind of stuff. So uh, growing up, so what was your favorite cartoon? Uh. Don't know that I can pick one cartoon per se, but I think comic strips, I definitely found Calvin and Hobbes to be the best. It's one that like grew up with me through the ages, I must say. Um, but, you know, I've definitely enjoyed a lot of different uh, cartoons. Still a big Disney fan, still go watch all the animated stuff that comes out. It's a shame they don't make a lot of 2D animated things anymore, but, you know, I'm still a big fanboy. Yeah, yeah, no, everything's computer. Even, even the ones that look 2D are made on a computer, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely gone a different direction these days, but it's fun. Okay. And so, so I think probably. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think one of the highlights for uh, 
my quote-unquote artistic career has been uh, in vet school. I actually got to uh, help design a, um, I guess like a iPad game or like an app um, that the um, school is actually designing to help teach kids how to take care of pets. And you know, my role in that was very much drawing frame by frame different animations of the dogs and all the uh, backgrounds and all that kind of stuff and really kind of getting to be a part of building that from the ground up. I think the project ended up getting sold to a different company. It didn't really get off the floor very much, but still a great experience. Still allowed me to actually make a bit of money on the side too, which is sweet. Yeah. And so, so did you start your own company or did, did you just, did you have a little, little company or were you just paid as a... Yeah, I started a little company called Vet Cartoonist Studios. So uh, definitely did a lot of stuff with that. I also kind of freelanced a little bit for medical illustration kind of uh, gigs too. So did a bit of work like that. Um, and in my internship, I actually was a editorial cartoonist for the Toronto Academy of Veterinary Medicine. They oh. would have their kind of bi-monthly newsletter that would come out and I had to have little editorial cartoons in there making fun of uh, different things. Oh, that's great. Hey, can you, do you have any, like, can you send me some? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's why you, after this interview, send me some, because I, I want to post them on our our Facebook page. We'll put some examples of what you did. Sure. Yeah, it, it, and it doesn't have They're, to be, uh, it doesn't have to be politically correct. <laughs> it doesn't have to at all. No, they're PC, yeah. <laughs> um, they're actually up on my website, which is vetcartoonist.com. Okay. Let me write that up, vetcartoonist.com. But yeah, I'll send you a couple of them. And it, is that app still, is that app available? The app you helped it, um... No, unfortunately not. Yeah, it, it never actually got to the point of being published and put online. Um, I think we went through a couple of beta phases and that was about it. Okay, okay. No, that's great though. That's great that you, but um, you know, like I said, we can, if it's something, you know, once you're done your residency, <laughs> and you and you yep. get a life Once I'm done, you I'm get a life you get a life then you can go back to that and uh um but but we'll definitely post your website um up there and uh some examples of, of what you've done i think that's great so so right now as you indicated to me before is that um the residency is just taking a lot of your time so you're not really able to but but do you ever use it as an outlet as a stress relief outlet do you just doodle and stuff like that yeah I do not not so much at work because that never really presents itself as an opportunity but uh you know when i'm off clinics especially it's something i like to do to just you know zone out a little bit get my mind cleared and uh just rejuvenate a little bit do you, do you ever when you're explaining something to a client do you ever go in and like draw in more detail draw cartoons all the time <laughs> all the time i you know everybody presents stuff to clients in a different way my way is very much i have a little whiteboard in my room in my exam room when i go in so the first thing I do is I draw the nervous system and I explain to them everything on the board. And I find that people actually like that. They, it makes more sense to them. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And, and then it, yeah, no, that, that's really cool. Do, if you could do me a favor, when you, when you do that, just take a quick photo and send it to me. Cause I'd love to see that, that <laughs> sure. process as well. Yeah, no, that, that's great. It's, yeah. I think, yeah, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, when I draw, it's like stick figures and <laughs> things like that. But no, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. That's awesome. So, so it helped, it helped to fund a little bit of your vet school. It's definitely a stress relief for you. And it's, it's something that, um, yes. as you said, it, it permeates your life and it, it's always going to be with you. And, and well, I definitely hope that, you know, after the residency or when you get the, the opportunity that you, you continue this uh, um, this this business and, and stuff because there's a lot of opportunity. I'm finding that as we as veterinarians get more into social media, we get more into um, 
um, areas where we need diagrams and everything like that. Ironically, yeah. I, I linked up with, um, he's a graphic artist. Uh, he used to work with comics and um, like the Marvel and DC type comics. And um, oh, I said, there's, there's, there's some videos I want to make, but I need... I need nice images, right, about what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. something like, just like, like heartworm disease, right? You want to talk about stuff, you right, have the right. images and everything like that, or the flea life cycle, anything like that. And so I think that, um, yeah. I think that though, there, there's definitely a need for that and demand for that. I think that's great. Okay, well, that, that took up uh, the segment time. So why don't we, we take a short break right now? And uh, we'll come back and, and we'll talk about, um, there, there's a couple things I do want to talk to Fichelle about is, uh, is work-life balance. We've been talking about that a lot on the show. I'm, I'm sure that everyone's read about, you know, the, the stress levels that veterinarians face and everything like that. Um, and, and I think that, you know, he, he, he touched a little bit about um, the ethnic diversity that, that we have in this profession. And, and we'll talk about things like that. So stay tuned. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. Your Pet Matters and other programming on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. 390 County Road, 518 Skillman. Happy birthday! Look at this gift Oh my goodness, a kitten! Let's name him Mini Kitty! Jack, how do I tell Mom I failed my math test? Look at us, Bean. We just moved to a brand new big city. <laughs> Honey, Brandon broke up with me. Mini Kitty? Jack? Bean? Honey? Are you, are you okay? okay? Our pets are there for us when we most need them. So why not thank their unconditional love with unconditional care? At Progressive Veterinary Care, Dr. T's incomparable, compassionate, and dedicated team of veterinary caregivers are there to help your pet live a healthy life. Their progressive approach to veterinary medicine and curbside protocol provides your pet high-quality medicine and service, and their pet parents peace of mind. For more information about Progressive Veterinary Care's commitment to pet medicine and your pet online, it's ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Every weekend, you'll find a project to get involved with. And sometimes, it'll include your scaly or furry partner in crime. From Your Pet Matters with Dr. T, it's time for Producers Pet Project. Your go-to for pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and overall helpful tips and tricks to keep your best friend happy and healthy. Producers Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan Vernon, producer of Your Pet Matters, only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077The Welcome to another edition of Your Producer's Pet Project once again on 1077 The Bronx and 1077The On this edition of Your Producer's Pet Project, I thought it would be a good idea to get into fall activities to do with your dog. We're heading towards October, and it's getting cold here, especially in the city of New Jersey, in the Tri-State area, the last couple of days, and especially this upcoming week. So I thought it would be a cool idea to talk about some fall activities to do with your dog. Let's get right into it. First, make fall seeing the bandanas and collars. So let's be honest, nothing makes your dog feel more special than a fresh new collar or a bandana. So for, for, for this fall, treat them to a, to a fall theme accessories, help them get into holiday spirit. You can even go a step further and make, and make your own for you guys so you can match. Fabric and hobby stores also allow some fun Halloween themed fabric that is perfect for fur bananas. Plus you can add extra buns and designs to make you really own it. Next, how about you make some baked puppy doggy treats. That'd be a good idea, because 
it would be, be cool. So it's true. Um, pumpkin is beneficial for your, your dog's digestive system, which is why that you should um make doggy treats that are pumpkin flavored for your for, for your pet. It's be a fun activity to do with your dog. It's something is to make homemade pumpkin dog treats, and there's just so many delicious treats you can make. That's just one of them where you can do. You can make Halloween treats. You can make fall themed treats. All kind of all kind of fun. Um, doggy treats. Also, this one's obviously a no-brainer. Have your dog play in a pile of leaves. Kids aren't the only ones who enjoy playing in, in the fresh pile of leaves. I know dogs love it. So rake up a big pile of leaves is a great way to spend some outdoor time with your with, with your dog while you clean up and your yard and the dogs have a good time. So throw your dog's favorite toys in the pile to encourage them and prove, and prove that it's safe. And don't be afraid to jump in yourself to have a good time. How about this one? Have a horror, th a horror movie, movie marathon. I know, I know a lot of dogs love to sit on your lap late at night when you watch TV, so this would be a good idea. A horror movie mar marathon is the perfect way to spend time with some time, especially when it's a rainy fall day. It allows you to have some some one-on-one -on -one time with your best pal. Grab some blankets, popcorn, doggy treats, and head over to the couch for a night of scares and cuddles for sure. Next, how about you make a Halloween blanket? When you're picking out fabric to make your pup a, a new fall bandana, stop by the fleece section and check out Halloween patterns for blankets. You can fleece type blankets. They're simple to make. Don't have to throw in any sewing and perfect for dogs to snuggle in. And it'll just be a cute way to do it. And then this one, obviously, visit a pumpkin patch. Most of, most, of this, most of us visit pumpkin patches if we want to carve pumpkins and decorate them during the fall. So bring your dog along the way, right? They'll have a great time exploring the patch with you and they can even sniff out their own pumpkins to stay home as well. It is such a great idea. Then, speaking of carving a pumpkin and decorating it, decorate and carve a pumpkin. Not, not, not all jack-o'-lanterns have to be scary. Some can be adorable too, so put your pumpkin carving skills to the test and carve an image of your own dog on a pumpkin, or if you prefer to paint your precious face on it, you can do that as well. That is to be a fun option. Next, for, for Halloween, I know we're weeks away from Halloween, but this would be a cool idea to do for the upcoming Halloween season. Take Halloween photos. It's pretty cute for your for your for your dog to take some Halloween photos. I know an ET they dress up their dog, so this would be a idea too. So just dress up your dog, whether it's as a ghost or they can just be anything really. You know, just keep it simple, keep it short and sweet, and then host a doggy Halloween party. So there you go. If you if you have dogs in the neighborhood, maybe have a nice themed Hollywood uh, house Halloween um party. You invite your friends, put their dogs for fun filled playtime, and be treats. Costume contest, it'll just be a fun, fun idea to do. And then finally, go for a hike. I know fall weather is all about, it's perfect time for you to go, to go on a hike. It's not too hot, not too cold, and it's temperatures cooling down. It's a perfect time for you to go hiking. Enjoy the crisp autumn air as you march the beautiful fall colors, look around, and be sure to bring those next as well on the long trip as well. So those are some of the things that you can do to treat your dog this fall upcoming season. So. Hope you found this edition of your producer but better useful. This is Logan Vanine on Once in the Bronx and more of SinsInTheBronx.com. That was today's segment of Producer's Pet Project. Your one stop for all things pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and more. Be sure to tune in next time. And for a more in-depth conversation, listen to Your Pet Matters with Dr. T every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Only on 107.7 The Bronx. Your Pet Matters and other programming on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. 390 County Road, 518 Skillman. Happy birthday! Woo! Whoopie doopie! Oh my goodness, a kitten! Let's name him Mini Kitty! Jack, how do I tell Mom I failed my math test? Look at us, Bean! We just moved to a brand new big city! <laughs> Honey, Brandon broke up with me! Mini Kitty, 
Jack? Bean? Honey? Are you okay? okay? Our pets are there for us when we most need them. So why not thank their unconditional love with unconditional care? At Progressive Veterinary Care, Dr. T's incomparable, compassionate, and dedicated team of veterinary caregivers are there to help your pet live a healthy life. Their progressive approach to veterinary medicine and curbside protocol provides your pet high-quality medicine and service, and their pet parents' peace of mind. For more information about Progressive Veterinary Care's commitment to pet medicine and your pet online, it's ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Hear ye, hear ye! Your Pet Matters is back to answer your pet queries. Come get free pet advice from our friend Dr. T only on 1077 The Bronx. Welcome back. This is Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila. My special guest today is Dr. Vishal Murthy. He is a neurology resident currently at UC Davis. He's a Canadian vet. I uh, graduated from the uh, Ontario Vet College at Guelph and did his internship in Toronto. And, and as you've listened over the couple segments, uh, art has permeated his life. He, he started a company called vetcartoonist.com and, and he's always doodling and stuff. And we talked about how he draws really great neurology diagrams for his clients and so forth. I hope to, I hope to see a sample of that, um, but, but it, it's just part of his life. And, and I think it's, it's really cool. I think that, that the, the veterinarians that I find, um, well, I think anyone, any profession, professional that has these diverse talents I think they just make better well-rounded individuals anyways and and you'll see within the vet community there's a lot of a lot of diverse talents out there I think it's really good absolutely um, yeah but 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 Vishal it in um, in the press in social media there's a lot of talk about how stressful internships are mm -hmm. and how grueling these internships and residencies are and and how um you know we, we I, I think we could all agree it's it's almost penance that you pay um so forth i think that many graduate students in general um you know mm -hmm. as i as i told you we our, our income is we eat dirt and uh, you know craft dinner yeah. <laughs> mac and cheese you know yep. eat dirt and everything a lot like that. Of KD. <laughs> yeah and then uh, and then once that's over then you've been groomed and molded and and then go out to your profession but um, on the same side uh, there's a lot of interns and residences that are phenomenal I think that um, ironically the last neurologist I talked to he just finished his residency he's at UPenn um, he he summed it up in that you you have to kind of know what you're getting into. And if you, if you have that mindset and you have that light at the end of the tunnel, if you, if you start an internship or residency in the hopes of, oh, I don't know where it's going to lead me, I think he found that those are the individuals that get more stressed. It, it seemed like, um, as you said before, that you found in your first year of vet school that that neurology really hit you and that's what you wanted to do. And yeah. I think that, you know, you, you definitely see that at the, at the end of, you got what, a couple more years left, I guess, right? For your... Uh, yeah, yeah, but two years left. Yeah, and then um, so so. But yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like you said, it's like once I had neurology to set my compass at, then I just I knew where I was going. Everything had a purpose. Everything had a goal, and it made the whole process a lot more manageable for me. I must say. And, and so so I guess for our listening and viewing audience, can you describe what your internship was like? What a typical day of your internship was, and <laughs> then what a typical day now is, and what your expect. Did, sure. did it meet your expectations? Is there things that these outliers that really hit you, you know, words of wisdom that you could get yeah. young vets that are going to apply? Fair enough. I'd say my internship was great. I actually really enjoyed it a lot, but I think I also enjoyed it a lot because I had very much a end goal in mind. You know, I, 
I chose my internship based on the number of neurologists there were. I chose my internship based on, you know, how much time I get to spend on neurology. Like, I, those are some of the criteria that matter more to me than some of my other intermates, for example. But um, my intern class was really good. We, you know, relied on each other very well. We supported each other, and we had a good set of mentors there. So I definitely felt very well supported through the whole process. Um, I must say that, you know, like you said earlier, I think knowing what you're getting into is big. And, you know, for people applying, especially now, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, today is like the deadline for match day or something. Ah, so okay. Okay. I think I think uh, one of the big things is, you know, take the time to visit, take the time to talk to people who have already done a program, like gone through that program, who have done internships, residencies, and really get to know the place, the feel for what the program is like before you get into that. I had a great time in my internship, wouldn't, you know, I would go back and do it by in a heartbeat. I mean, not that I necessarily want to go do another year of that, but I had a good enough time that I would consider doing that. And similarly with the residency, so far it's been a lot of work. It's definitely been an uphill struggle at times, but it's been amazing. I've been learning a lot, really doing a lot more. I'd say my average day in my internship really depended on kind of what service I was on. We would rotate through different things like ER, neurology, surgery, medicine. But um, on average, I was there from about, you know, 7 a.m. to about anywhere between like 7 to 9 in the evening. There were definitely days when I was there until midnight, but not as many as otherwise. Um, in the residency program, it is really kind of dependent on where or kind of what kind of schedule I've got. I'd say it's not uncommon for me to be there by around 7 a.m., leave probably around like 8 or 9, but if I'm on call, I'm probably going to be going back in that night. We do a lot. We have a very high caseload here at Davis, and uh, that often means that we see a lot of emergencies. So it's not uncommon for me to be up a large chunk of the night doing surgery and then back to work again the next day for the same thing. You know, I actually just got off working the weekend, and uh, we had a quiet weekend, but still had both nights where I was up for about 3 a.m. each night with surgeries. Well, do it while you're young, man. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I can't pull all-nighters anymore. Um, but the question that's going through my mind is, so your internship was at a private facility, correct? P private practice, right? Yes. And you're, you're, yes. Do, do you think that had it been academia, it would have been different or no? It is a very different beast, I must say. Um, has pros and cons. I think, you know, a lot of the learning was really just pushed back on us. And so it's kind of what you put in is what you get out. I feel like in a lot of academic places, they guide you through that learning process a bit more. Um, it was nice to not have to be sharing that opportunity with other students. You know, not that that's always a bad thing because as a resident, I enjoy teaching students. But as an intern, I got to really focus on my own learning for a bit and really kind of hone my skills my first year out. And that I found to be quite helpful. Um, and honestly, I really appreciated the pace and the efficiency of private practice because my goal for my internship was to see a large number of cases to get comfortable with the medicine, with the medicine, and I think I achieved that really well. I don't know that I would have necessarily achieved that in academia. I certainly could have, but you know, I think when I went through the process of applying, that internship stood out to me for those very reasons, though. 
Yeah, and so why don't we do a shout out? So it was the Veterinary Emergency Center in Toronto? Is that what? Yep. Yeah, Veterinary okay. Emergency Clinic in uh, downtown Toronto. Okay, yeah. Easy. No, just, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put, a, put a shout out for it because if, if you have a good experience, it's, it's definitely worth it for anyone, uh, anyone thinking about I doing that. Highly recommend, I would highly recommend anyone apply there, you know, both uh, American and uh, Canadian. Good program, good folks. And, and how many um, neurology residents graduate per year? Do you know? Do you know the statistics for that in North America? Ooh, that's a good one. I don't actually, but uh, probably in the realm of like the 20s maybe. And, and, and so, it, so for our listening and viewing audience, especially if you're a vet student thinking about this, so you have to match for the internship, A, right? And then you have to match for the residency? Okay. Yep. Yeah. And it's quite common for candidates to have to go through multiple rounds of the match. Um, and once say I have been very lucky that I got into the residency on my first attempt, which is a bit of an outlier, I guess. <laughs> but, um, you know, came and visited Davis, really loved the program here. And, uh, you know, what they were offering in terms of the caseload and the pace was really something that I thought I would, would work well for me, given that I came from that background in private practice. And so I'm lucky that I got in here. <laughs> No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, can I ask what your parents do? Just out of curiosity. Sure. My parents teach in human medicine. So my dad is a physiologist. My mom used to be a uh, physiologist as well. And how do they feel about veterinary medicine? <laughs> <laughs> you want the honest answer? Yes, my parents I wanted do. me to be a dentist. <laughs> like most like most Asian parents, they wanted me to be a dentist or a human doctor. And I promptly said nope to both. <laughs> but they're coming around to it. They, I think they're appreciating the impact that I can have on animals, and that's something special for them. Yeah, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong. Are, are you finding that just the general consensus amongst the human medical profession is there's a little bit of surprise about what we're able to do as veterinarians? Oh, Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we do some pretty radical things at Davis, especially, you know, some major surgeries, things like that. We sometimes have human pediatricians come in and they're shocked at how much we're actually able to do in cats and dogs. It's pretty sweet. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I like that. And, and, and what, I, what I like is that the concept of one health is that we're using the, the findings we oh, find yes. in the animal um, kingdom versus the human kingdom to help both both places. No, I think that's great. Absolutely. There's a lot of crosstalk in that field for sure. I think that's great that you have pediatricians come in. Yeah, I, I, you know, to be frank, and, and I apologize, I'm, I'm being controversial. Some of my most um, controversial clients are from the human medical profession, right? <laughs> oh, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Same over here. Yeah. Same over here. I've definitely had, uh, I've had human physicians who want to scrub into surgery with us, things like that, or where they start asking us to use specific medications, and I'm like, doesn't work like that in dogs, but <laughs> we might kill your dog with Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I no, that's awesome. Do that, but <laughs> yeah, I did have, and and I'm not going to name any names because I have quite a few of them. There's an anesthesiology client of mine, a human anesthesiology, and he told me that he gave his dog X antibiotic at X dose, and I, I, oh. as politically correct as I said, I said that's about thirty times what the dose should have been. Thank God she, she, she did well. So you know, it's one of those things. But yeah. that was uh, <laughs> one of those things we have to deal with. <laughs> I'm jealous of where he is now. He's in California, 
And he's talking True, about going, California's pretty sweet. Yeah, they're talking about going home. To, well, maybe BC. Maybe BC is something, huh? Yeah, yeah my middle ground, yeah. yeah. Vancouver's nice. <laughs> yeah. But you, you'll have lots of, you've got plenty of time, you'll have lots of choices. But um, so oh, yeah. well, one thing I, I wanted to talk to you about is, well, actually a couple of things. I think that we could, we could talk about both these things. It's just the, the ethnic diversity that, that you've experienced as a veterinarian. Um, you know, before the show, I, I, I talked to you about how many Asian vets I know, and I, I joke about that um, all the time. But, you know, in, in my class, as I said, we had a small class size uh, in Prince Edward Island. I, I was the token Asian. <laughs> I had a buddy of mine who was the token uh, <laughs> uh, Indian, and then my, my third friend was the token Jamaican, and that was it. We were the international crew in our class, and so um, you know, I yeah. know your, your class size was much larger. And there's a, especially in, in Toronto area, in the Guelph area, there's much more uh, uh, diverse areas there. But are, are, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the ethnic diversity within our profession? Um, and then we'll talk think, about a little bit I about think, corporations, I think. Sure, sure. I think uh, we're making some progress, but I think we still have a long way to go. You know, it's still the majority of the class that is your typical kind of Caucasian, especially in the uh, Ontario side of things. You know, there was a pretty heavy slant to, you know, like urban Caucasian background. Um, you know, we had a few people from more of the uh, rural side of Ontario, but for the most part, it was very monotone, I guess, is the best way to put that. But, um, you know, I must say that our class was pretty nice. We had a relatively diverse group, and, you know, we, compared to a lot of veterinary classes, we had a fair number of guys. We had about 20 guys in our class, which, is another aspect of diversity in, in this profession these days. But, you know, um, when we talk about, you know, people from different ethnic backgrounds, there's probably maybe 15, 20 of us altogether, like not even. So we were definitely still a very much a minority. But, um, you know, I think the nice thing that we bring out in veterinary medicine is, you know, we're, we're able to kind of cross some boundaries and especially with pet owners of different backgrounds, be able to really, you know, integrate a little bit more, get the word out about veterinary medicine into some of these communities. Because I mean, I must say growing up in a, uh, growing up in India and other parts of Asia, for example, the attitude towards animals is very different. And I must say that even coming to Canada, a lot of, you know, both immigrant families and even second, third generation families are not necessarily, they don't, they don't have the same approaches to animals as, you know, a lot of us think of, for example. And so what we're starting to see is more and more people owning pets, which is great. I think it has a lot of wonderful benefits, but sometimes, you know, you need somebody from that community to really stand out to be more of an advocate for the animals and really, you know, push medicine. And, you know, one of the things I'll give you an example of right here, I work in a referral setting. I know I can very clearly see the nature of the referrals that I get. And I don't see many South Asian people coming down with their animals. I know that there's a large uh, population of South Asians who do have pets in the area, but somehow referral medicine is not something that's very high on the list. And you know, it's one of those things where I think this, if they start seeing more and more people in the community, then yeah, maybe that will be something we see and we get better care for these animals that way. It's great to hear your viewpoints on that. Well, I gotta tell you, the time is up. 
it's been a great conversation. Um, so, so anyone's interested in, in, in learning more about Vishal, you can definitely um, go to UC Davis. He's definitely on the faculty list. I, I got his little bio from that. <laughs> uh, but but he's also got the vetcartoonist.com website, and you can check that out. And then I would assume in two years or so, you'll see much more activity going on there after this. And uh, <laughs> it, it may be vetcartoonist.ca. <laughs> <laughs> right in the, in the future. <laughs> no, Go back home. You never know. Yeah, but it was it was great talk to you, Michelle, and I wish you all the best in completing of your residency. And you know, I, I think that uh, the fact that you 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 have this vision, you knew what you wanted to do, and you're and you're you're driving towards that goal is is awesome. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure talking to you. Great, and remember, everyone, love your pet like they love you unconditionally. Have a great day. Your Pet Matters with Dr. T comes to a close. Yet fret not if you missed the 10 a.m. Saturday show. Tune in Monday morning at 9 if you please. And hear free advice for all your dog and cat needs. You can find past episodes on the Your Pet Matters podcast or go to 1077thebronc.com slash yourpetmatters. Made for you and your pets. 1077 The Bronx is beyond compare. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care.